52nd episode of the Super Awkward Funcast with your hostess, Elle Latham. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. It's been quite a week before this, and we're coming into a new one. So hoping that things get a little less weird going forward, but they're probably going to get more weird knowing the way things go. Um, so I'm here to make sense of it to you guys, I guess, for you guys. And um, thank you so much for listening. We're going to start with um, the title <laughs> of this episode, which is the WEF. Uh, well, part of the title. And um, so what's the WEF doing that could be contributing to what's happening on the world stage. I mean, I'm not going to say that's exactly the case, even though there's plenty of evidence to, to prove that. Um, going back um, a little ways, okay, first, DTRA became very relevant after a lot of people brought up, not a lot of people, like one person and then other people brought up the U.S. biolabs in Ukraine. Which I had discussed in the previous episode, uh, talking about the many experiments that were done on the public by the U.S. government with DTRA money. The Defense Threat Reduction Agency, of course, if you recall. So starting with that, I did go into detail on that whole scandal and all of that stuff, the documents that were leaked and everything on the last episode of The Political Matrix, which you can catch um, every Saturday, 6.30 p.m. on the West Coast, uh, so 9.30 on the East Coast, and uh, that should still be uploaded uh, to the channel, so I'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, moving forward um, from that, I I did discuss a lot of the things that I'm going to discuss today on that episode so check it out for more information more in-depth information i'm not going to get too in-depth this time because the last episode was insane if you recall and i went over a lot so we're not going to overload you with information this time we're just going to kind of respond to what's going on and exactly how it ties into the wef agenda the World Economic Forum agenda and the Great Reset specifically and and of course the Fourth Industrial Revolution which is also uh, part of that organization and Klaus so Klaus Schwab has been in the news a bit um, so basically as I've discussed before he you know the globe the young global leaders like Trudeau Macron everybody like that um, were put up, uh, propped up, and made to follow this COVID narrative and everything that's kind of shifting now, if you if you notice. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, first, I wanted to go into a documentary that I watched about Klaus and company, and it was called Das Forum, and I will link it to it, and hopefully it will stay uh, uploaded on the YouTube it's um, been a, about a month that it's been there, and it's the complete documentary from Germany. And wait, yeah, it is Germany. Yes, it's a German documentary. So I'll, some of it's in German, and you have to um, wait for the English parts. But there are English parts in it, and some of them are very eye opening. Uh, first off, just to get into the cabinets thing. You know, this this uh, this clip has been making the rounds of Klaus, and I talked about this on the Political Matrix as well, 
but it's around 108, yeah, 108.56 in this speech from 2000 and, sorry, 2017, September 20th, 2017. I'll leave a link to this as well. And the name of the video, if you want to um, look it up, or yeah, you can just click on it because I'm going to put it there, is Strengthening Collaboration in a Fractured World featuring special guest Yo-Yo Ma. So Yo-Yo Ma is in this thing and he does his little performance in the beginning um, before Klaus comes in with David Gergen, who's the moderator. And this was at Harvard Kennedy School's Institute of Politics. So if we go a little bit further in, we'll hear that, that clip that everybody keeps talking about Ugh, after we listen to him. Let me turn this down. Shit. Shut up, dude. Shut up. Okay, so then he does his little speechy speech. And then he talks to David Gergen. It's pretty much in the very beginning of his discussion with David Gergen that he starts talking about the young global leaders and penetrating the cabinets. So this is very important to, to listen to. And he mentions Putin here. So, as we know, Russia... And Ukraine are not having a great time right now. Uh, that's an understatement. Uh, there has been a war brewing for months uh, with the State Department trying to start some shit with Russia and blaming it on Russia and then all, the, all kinds of stuff. When um, they did the coup in 2014, if you recall, uh, with the neo-Nazis and everything. So anyway, we're getting into this part of the um, little conference here. Hold on one moment for that while I explain. Okay, so Russian relations are not great right now with U.S. and the world, and that's on purpose. But also, Putin is ex he's explained here as a young global leader by Klaus, and according to Whitney Webb, that's not the case. So he's just lying there. <laughs> so that's interesting, but. Um, he also mentions other people in this little part as well. So let's yes, let's um, dig in. Actually, this uh, notion to integrate young leaders uh, <coughs> is part of the world economic overall since many years. And I have to say, um, when I mention now names like Mrs. Merkel, um, there's Eman, a mic problem. Um, Vladimir Putin and so on. They all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina, and so Whichever on. Whichever one. So we <laughs> penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, rece at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau, and I know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet, are for our uh, actually young noble leaders of the world in Korea. And that's true in Argentina, too. Well, yeah, sorry. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina, and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I'm here with the president, with a young noble leader. But what is important for me is those young global leaders have an opportunity to come here. Right. And we have established uh, a course uh, now since several years. And I think it has, this cooperation has a tremendous impact because um, being here for a week uh, really creates a strong community. And we, in addition to the young global leaders, we have now the global chambers in uh, 450 cities around the world. I just wonder, is there any global shaper here? Yeah, right. yeah you see, you see the global shapers here. <laughs> um, and um, what is astonishing is to see uh, how those young people really have a different mindset. Um, and I have great admiration because when I have a group of global shapers in the room and then ask them, are you thinking in global terms or in national terms? The majority would say in global terms. If I ask them what is more important for you, to make money or to serve society, more certainly 
80% would raise their hand and would say serving society. So that's cool. Yay. Um, so yeah, he has a couple of programs there that he was discussing. Uh, another thing is, yeah, Das Forum. Check out Das Forum below. Um, there's bonus parts of Das Forum that are interesting. I found also the, the him talking about the process of, of doing it. So this is a part of you know, Das Forum really that was like left out, but it's a bonus part. Is, is that it starts with Carlos Alvarado Quesada, the president, president of Costa Rica. So this is interesting as well. Talking about values, the principles of the revolution, and I think that's key. You know, we share similar values, yeah, values exactly. on, on the world. With Klaus, this is with it's him with Klaus. One of them that we're pushing hard is uh, uh, decarbonization. Yeah. We're going to launch our commitment on decarbonization in February. That means we're going to 99% renewable and clean electricity. And now the challenge is we're going to plug that matrix onto transportation to reduce dramatically the emissions and to reduce the usage of fossil fuels until we don't use those anymore. I know you play also a very important role in preserving, let's say, new forests. You have a young population, you have a uh, relatively well-educated population. You can use the fourth industrial revolution to create, um, let's say, fast-track growth for your country. My commitment will be to add value. We'll be part of the Young Leaders yes. Initiative. This is Merkel, Tony Blair, um, they were all, even uh, President Putin, they were all young global leaders before. Mm. So um, if I take you, if I take Chancellor Kurz, and the New Zealand Prime Minister, the three youngest leaders of governments are here. So I know you have many uh, beautiful things in your country, but it characterizes the diversity, and at the same time, everything goes up. He gave him a crystal. I love the music in the background that swells. Like, yep, that's that's what he is. Um, yeah, so he mentioned Putin, Putin again there. Uh, but again, lying apparently because that's not true. But maybe he just can't keep track of all of the young global leaders there are. So he just mistake, mistakes him for one of them. Uh, another one is, okay... I should also say that I mentioned on Lucky Burrito's show, uh, Ladies Night, last night, uh, plug for her, um, that there was a company that was mentioned or, or profiled in this documentary called Zipline, which is, oddly enough, uh, one of the assets in the portfolio of GV, which is Google Ventures, which broke away from Google and is owned still by Alphabet, so what does it matter? And they own uh, PayRange, which is the Q QR code in my laundry room in my building. So it's coming to me, this digital ID shit is coming straight to me in the form of the laundry. <laughs> so um, contactless laundry, you know, you don't have to put your dirty card in there, I guess. Uh, but anyway, this company is named Zipline, and they deliver medicines to impoverished areas in Rwanda, apparently. So this is a little part about them. Due to lack of access to basic medical problems. How much? 5.8? 5.8 million kids every year. It doesn't have to happen. It's not a, it's not a, I'm going to pull up a chart. This is actually it's in the documentary problem. as well. It's not a, you know, manufacturing problem. It's easy to manufacture the medical products. It's just, um, it's a logistics problem. It's that yeah. the roads, you know, are challenging and we can't get to where we need to get yeah. in order to get these products there. And so, you know, this is really what led us to, to, to do what we're doing with Rwanda. So, those are the hospitals. Those are the hospitals. So yeah. these are the hospitals we've been serving over the last year. Mm -hmm. From that distribution center, we can do deliveries 
Um, so this is a zip coming by one of the hospitals. Oh, they deliver service. blood. I said medicine. I'm sorry. From about 40 feet. They deliver uh, blood, but I'm sure medicine is possible as well. The package is designed to basically drift really gently to the ground. For the first seven days of serving a hospital or a community, they think it's totally science fiction. It's crazy that there are these autonomous aircraft. Via drones. I forgot to mention the drones. They're drones. So then he just starts speaking in German, his, his creepy shit. Um, but basically, he's co-opted this company with the WEF. So they're, you know, helping that company. And that's being, it's a partnership with the WEF. Um, so anyway, back to Dust Forum. So Dust Forum... Um, he also mentions Club of Rome, which I talked about in the Political Matrix. But uh, then there's the documentary um, discussion with Klaus, where they explain the making of the movie with the director, Marcus. And uh, this is what the director says, and then Klaus says about the making of the film. I think this is the part where he's talking about having his own privacy which is hilarious to me because they don't want us to have any privacy but they get to have it it's funny we had the bilaterals i was asked to leave the room after three minutes after the weather so i said that's afterwards i wrote professor schwab a letter uh, an email saying that this is not possible to continue that way and he said okay but you have to respect also the um, the privacy of those people and <laughs> we then agreed that he is at least trying um, to persuade these people and that was actually then the final decision to make that film because we went then went to um, Hanoi and we got that great scene with Aung San Suu Kyi, um, where I could really see the, diploma the diplomacy and the art of, of, of talking to those people. And um, I could be there from the very beginning to the very end. And then it started um, a certain trust um, to do that film. P professor, um, so you're close. Ah, uh, you're learning. It's, you know, once you go Dutch, you never go back. Um, so your communication manager says, don't do this. And then you did. And so why did you say yes to these people? It was a very difficult decision for Hilda, my wife, and myself, because um, we are very private people. Very private. It, it, it's not only, um, let's say, our nature, but if you want to be the curator of a platform, you shouldn't put yourself uh, too much in the front. So um, during all those years, we have tried to be quite outside the public eye. We never go to cocktail parties, or you never have seen us in um, major uh, people's uh, magazines and so on. And then suddenly, I felt a little bit like uh, um, being asked to make striptease in public. and. Um, and uh, so I had, I, I needed two years to get accustomed to the idea. And then what, uh, to a certain extent, changed my mind was that we are actually celebrating our 50th anniversary. And in some way, it would be good to, to bring to the public what, are, what is actually the motivation behind what we are doing and to personalize it to a certain extent. I've been on television. Okay, so then that's funny that he's talking about privacy and everything because I mentioned how hilarious that is. One, his global leaders are, they don't give a shit about your privacy and they implemented a lot of vaccine mandates. Excuse the sound on the roof, which apparently someone's doing something on the roof now, which is great timing, but... Um, we will continue as if that is not occurring. So, um, yeah. And now, my roommate is here. <laughs> so this is growing swell. <laughs> Anyways, um, back to privacy. So, <laughs> um, the digital ID is coming, basically. 
Um, and the WEF is bringing it surprisingly. Not surprisingly. Um, and that's part of the fourth industrial evolution, of course. And they have a digital identity like document that I'll go over here. A report, if you will, um, from the website. And it's, uh, this is actually, I just found Digital Transformation Initiative, which was launched in 2015, and it offers unique insights into the impact of digital technologies on business and wider society over the next decade. DG DTI research supports collaboration between the public and private sectors, both focused on ensuring that digitization, digitalization unlocks new levels of prosperity for both industry and society. So then they have a little video on YouTube as well and summary and like all this information. But um, that's in the digital transformation area of the website. So that's really uh, not concerning at all. Uh, we have a PDF, Digital Culture, the Driving Force of Digital... Oh my gosh. Digital Transformation from June 2021. Um, you're about to start a journey to digital culture, or most likely you are already in the middle of it. This guide is designed especially for leaders like you. High performing, busy, and looking for takeaways you can apply. You know there is no, there is no one sit, size fits all solution. And that failure is a na natural part of growth. But you also know how valuable it is to learn from others' experiences. That's why this guide provides you with examples of leaders and companies on similar digital transformation journeys and shares what worked for them. You also know that as a leader, change at your organization often has to start with yourself. So we have included a section for you to reflect on where you and your company currently stand when it comes to digital culture. Finally, you may want to put the information in this guide into action. We provide several suggested actions you can use right away to improve your own digital leadership and get your team involved in culture change. So that's great. Love that. And then it has um, the leaders like in, in the uh, guide here that you want to be like. And then it has like a whole fucking presentation here. What is digital culture? Organizations with a strong digital culture use digital tools and data-powered insights to drive decisions and customer centricity while innovating and collaborating across the organization. When implemented purposefully, digital culture can drive sustainable action and create value for all stakeholders. So then it says like what that is and, and shows examples and stuff. And this is all for the environment. We got to help the environment, you know, and it's best for everybody to, to be in this digital transformation sphere. Um, so yeah, it's like, we don't want you to dig into our, our situation and what we're doing, uh, behind closed doors, but we want to dig into yours and show, you know, these leaders, these horrible, like, um, oh, here I found a, another fucking thing. Uh, all these tools that will help them to um, get all of this information from the public. How digital identity can improve lives in a post-COVID-19 world. January 14, 2021. Director Julie Dawson, Regulatory and Policy. Yoti and Christian Duda, Project Lead, Digital Identity, World Economic Forum, Geneva. So this is um, industries from travel to health to education will recover more quickly if solutions, once primarily associated with the finance sector, are harnessed effectively. Building trust with citizens around the secure usage of personal data will be key to creating effective frameworks. Policymakers need to move as quickly as the technology. It says the World Travel and Tourism Council predicted in November 2020 that 174 million people would lose their travel-related jobs that year alone due to the COVID-19 pandemic. To reboot the global economy and reconnect society, 
physically and virtually in a new reality. People will need to engage physically and digitally with public authorities and businesses. But the potential is bigger. The possibility to safely claim who we are will impact how we live and how fast the world econ economy can recover. Alleviating key risks highlighted in World Economic Forum's COVID-19 Risk Outlooks reports. report. Human-centric digital identities are an enabler to allevi alleviate the global risks of health, movement, travel, and trade highlighted in the COVID-19 Risks Outlook, May 2020. The need for trust. They always talk about this in all the little meetings and shit, too. Um, we've got to gain trust and blah, 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 blah. And so the advantages of trusted claims are multiple from binding health tests to an individual being able to enter venues for tr or travel. See? It's not like they came up with this shit and everybody followed suit. I'm crazy for saying that that could be possible. To relying upon education and work certificates issued remotely to remotely signing property contracts. But with contact tracing, self-declaration, or health credential approaches face, facing scrutiny, how to enable the new normal. People are worried about the impact of technology on their personal data management. 66% of people lack trust in data based on the Edelman trust barometer. But there is one fundamental digital infrastructure layer that can bring transparency to interactions. Digital identity. And then they have a little graph. And then it says, human-centric dig digital identities and enabler to rebuild economy and trust. Human-centric digital identity lets people know who they are dealing with without de revealing more than the strictly necessary information. Digital identities give the user control over their data. They provide clear audit trails and streamline how businesses and governments allow people to register and access their services and trade. It has great potential for online education, issuing employment credentials, fighting fraud, or proving one's health status. Mm -hmm. Digital identity was often confined to the technology community or banking's know your customer checks and to combat money laundering. With our fit digital footprint extending into all walks of life, ident digital identification is becoming a global topic, a healthy Digital identity network widens civic participation and supports societal advancement. A case in point would be the Estonian digital identity approach, which is funny because when I was first aware, made aware of digital identity and the whole digital ID like phenomenon that was happening in the world, I was made aware by Truthstream Media, which did a very good um, video based on the Estonian digital identity approach, which is being mentioned here, which allows the nation's public and private sector e-service information systems to link up and function in harmony. And then it says, digital identities are widely accepted. While government's role is key, regulators have understood that they don't hold all the cards and that solutions are needed across the public and private sectors. Digital identity trust frameworks led by governments working with the private sector are emerging defining claims for people and organizations that should be broadly recognized. Such frameworks have emerged in Canada, the AU, EU, the Smart Africa Alliance, Australia, and New Zealand, and in vertical market sectors from health and employment to travel, encompassing data responsibility, cybersecurity, interoperability, don't know why that's so hard, uh, to say inclusion, governance, redress, and liability. And then it has a little quote here from Vidya Shankar Narayan, Assistant Deputy Minister and CIA, CIO, uh, CIA, CIO Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, and previously D Director General of Dire Digital Government. As proven in Canada, a dig digital ID ecosystem is not only a motor to connect people, governments, and the private sector in a trusted 
and transparent way, but it also accelerates participation in the economy, work, and mobility. Human-led. I love how they say human so much. It's like they don't feel like they're human. It's It feels like, to me, it's just an observation. Human-led identity approaches avoid surveillance and mistrust. While trust models vary among regions following the eminently practical good digital identity guidelines will help to open an era of transparency. Strong governance and transparency of the data and business models behind digital identity provision are key to build trust with people. To avoid surveillance, the safe capture, storage, transfer, and agreed usage of identity data requires strict oversight. Digital identity provision needs to be interoperable. Interoperable, damn it. Some digital identity models have developed from banking communities sharing data, others from payment networks or mobile operators. The next chapter must break new ground and function across sectors and borders as a key piece in establishing trade areas or travel corridors. The accessibility of digital identity systems will be judged in many countries. Citizens do not have access to identity documents, while people with disabilities or without technical skills or the latest devices may be disadvantaged. An opportunity for new trust solutions now emerges, e.g. tech for good to open hitherto closed data sources from companies and authorities. New com- community vouching models, e.g. paying bills regularly, giving blood, or volunteering as verifiable claims of existence. The risks of doing nothing. The cost of not pursuing digital identities is high. Being able to digitally prove claims is vital to enable paperless, contactless, streamlined processes across public and private sectors. Sadly, COVID-19 has shown many cases of fraud applications for grants from bogus organizations selling non-genuine tests to citizens, setting up fake companies, or enlisting fake directors to harvest data. In the UK alone, Policy Exchange estimates that fraud and error could cost the government between £1.3 billion to £7.9 billion in 2020. Next steps for governments and companies, it says. Governments around the world are spending huge amounts to bail out economies due to the impacts of COVID-19, looking for GDP gains, streamlining economies, and decreasing fraud. Digital identity enables all this, as well as robust testing regimes, opening travel and works places. The value creation of digital ID is equivalent to 3 to 13% of GDP by 2030, according to McKinsey. So what needs to be done? Frameworks may have to be rewritten to enable digital forms of identification to be accepted at parity with physical ID documents. Policymakers need to be able to move as quickly as the technology and times in which they live. Data protection authorities must offer sufficient data protection legal basis to enable biometric digital identity to function as part of it for citizens to trust and be willing participants our organizations must take the time to contribute to the global dialogue between trust frameworks and explain their models clearly in innovative thinking is needed to enable citizens of all backgrounds to participate in the digital public infrastructure and i'll leave that in the show notes as well And then you see now with the whole Russia versus Ukraine thing and the whole sanctions and the SWIFT and everything, you know, they're taking out the central banks in Russia, which is probably a part of the agenda. In the meantime, between this Russia-Ukraine shit that's been happening, uh, the state of emergency regarding the COVID-19 disease was extended past March by Biden. So, I mean, probably not by him, but like he did extend it. So I have that as well to to go over, which I did not mention, unfortunately, in the political matrix. I, I wanted to mention it, but I didn't get around to it. 
some stuff got in the way. But anyway, here we go. Getting into that, uh, it says the there was a document on February 18, 2022, the extension of the national emergency concerning the coronavirus disease 2019 or COVID-19. And this was a letter to the Speaker of the House of Representatives and President of the Senate on the continuation of it. And it says here, Dear Madam Speaker, Dear Madam President, Section 202D of the National Emergencies Act 50 U.S.C. 1622D provides for the automatic termination of a national emergency unless within 90 days prior to the anniversary date of its declaration the President publishes in the Federal Register and transmits to the Congress a, a notice stating that the emergency is to continue in effect beyond the anniversary date. In accordance with this provision, I have sent to the Federal Register for publication the enclosed notice stating that the national emergency declared in Proclamation 9994 of March 13, 2020, beginning March 1, 2020, concerning the coronavirus disease 2019 pandemic is to continue in effect beyond March 1, 2022, which by the way is tomorrow. There remains a need to continue this national emergency. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to cause significant risk to the public health and safety of the nation. More than 900,000 people in this nation have perished from the disease, except some of them not from, but with, but that's another story. And it is essential to continue to combat and respond to COVID-19 with the full capacity and capability of the federal government. Therefore, I have determined that it is necessary to continue the national emergency declared in Proclamation 9994 concerning the COVID-19 pandemic. Sincerely, Joseph R. Robinette Biden, Jr. So, while you were looking over here, this was happening. And this, ex this was extended because they're not done with the narrative. It seems like the narrative is shifted, and it has, but they're also not completely done because they need the digital identification. So along that same um, parallel, I guess, um, in October 2021, you might have mentioned you might have missed this bit of information from the World Economic Forum, which has been you know talked about and you know wondered about, and it hasn't really been mentioned or well, I don't know if it's been mentioned because I don't really follow Putin and what he does, but um, if he's talked about it, I haven't seen anything about it, so I don't know if he's actually discuss this or explain this or anything but it does say right here Russia joins the center for the fourth industrial revolution network with the WEF and it says the Russian Federation and the World Economic Forum announced the center for the fourth industrial revolution Russia I don't know if this has been taken care of and is kaput now that Russia is the great enemy of everybody in the west but we shall see uh, the center is an autonomous, non-for-profit organization hosted by ANO Digital Economy and will be a platform for public-private public co cooperation. Artificial intelligence and Internet of Things are key area of focus for the new center. Policies and frameworks will be shared and scaled through the Global Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution Network. Now, I want to see if this still exists, so I'm going to click on ANO digital economy and see what the deal is there on their little website here which I cannot read because it's um, in Russian but just wanted to see if this is still a go I guess I could look that up uh, A&O digital economy let me see because this is the WEF saying that and I just want to get another idea of what's going on there. Center for uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution, which is Klaus's thing. Probably not just Klaus's, because the Great Reset goes back way a long time ago. All right, and all I can find is this, da da da, the same press release. 
Well. <laughs> I don't see anything new about this, but I guess I'll see what's going on with A&O digital economy in general. What are they up to? It's really hard because a lot of it's in Russian, but let me see here. Roadmap to stimulate. Oh, can't. See, the thing is, they're fucking taking away certain websites from view, so you don't even know what's going on in a specific area, which is on purpose, I'm sure, because they want one side to be the information outlet which is the Ukrainian side. They don't want anything on the Russian side to be seen. And why would that be unless there's something there's that, that's being hidden from view? Because it's insane to me because there's so much information out there that people aren't going to be get, getting. And in the EU, they just banned that stupid bitch, uh, Ursula von der... whatever her name is. Von der Leyen. Um... She fucking banned RT for crying out loud. So, so you can't even see the opposition. What's what they're saying? You should be able to see all the propaganda, like, and judge it for yourself. You shouldn't have to, shouldn't be able to just see one side of the propaganda. That's absolutely insane to me. So yeah, I'm I'm looking at this this website about it, link.springer.com. Russia's Digital Economy Program, an Effective Strategy for Digital Transformation. And this is from December 16, 2020. So it is like they are, st they are doing stuff digitally. Whether it's with WBF or not, I don't know, but like, specifically. But it's, it's crazy what's happening right now because there's so much information being hidden. And also, a lot of a lot has been mentioned on the fact that it's Europeans now, so we should all be very scared. Because but before when it was black and brown people, it didn't really matter much to the media. But now the media is like really over, you know, like over the whole thing and and thinking that everything's going to shit now. Oh, and get ready for the fucking um nuclear holocaust apparently because that's also being bandied about the whole nuclear situation. Situation. They got uh, ready.gov. You get. You can prepare for the fucking nuclear holocaust coming up. There's going to be a nuclear problem with Russia, just because they said that um, they would respond, that they would want an alert on the nuclear capabilities or whatever, like they would want to be able to defend themselves. And because they say that, all of a sudden they're going to kill everybody in the U.S. <sighs> with nukes. They're going to nuke everybody. So, like, that's that's what we're dealing with right now. Nuclear. Let's see if I can find that stupid shit. Because this was released by the president for no particular reason. <sighs> let's see here. FEMA encourages survivors of a nuclear holocaust to mask and socially distance. Like, come on. Come the fuck on. Be ready for a nuclear attack. Was that it? I think that was it. Ready.gov webpage. Here we go. Nuclear explosion. Ready.gov. I'll show that to you as well. Oh my gosh. And then it says here, Get inside. So get inside the nearest building to avoid radiation. Everybody take notes. Remove contaminated clothing and wipe off or wash unprotected skin. Go to the basement or middle of the building. Stay inside. Stay inside for 24 hours unless local authorities provide other instructions. Because they all so much care about you. Families should stay where they are inside. And keep your pets inside. And then stay tuned to any media available for official information, such as when it is safe to exit and where you should go. 
battery-operated and hand-crank radios will function after a nuclear detonation. Cell phone, text messaging, television, and internet services may be disrupted or unavailable. They may be? I think, you know, if there's a nuclear holocaust, we're probably not going to have any of that, but okay. How to stay safe in the event of a nuclear explosion. <laughs> Prepare now! Identify shelter locations. That sounds fun. Make sure you have an emergency supply kit for places you frequent and might have to stay for 24 hours. It should include bottled water, packaged foods, emergency medicines, a hand crank or battery-powered radio to get information in case power is out, a flashlight, and extra batteries for essential items. If possible, store supplies for three or more days. If you are not able to, set aside items like soap, hand sanitizer, gotta have that because of COVID, that contains at least 60% alcohol, disinfecting wipes, and general household cleaning supplies that you can use to disinfect surfaces you touch regularly. After a flood, you may not have access to these supplies for days or even weeks. Keep in mind each person's specific needs, including medication. Don't forget the needs of pets. Obtain extra batteries and charging devices for phones and other criti critical equipment. Being prepared allows you to avoid unnecessary excursions and to address minor medical issues at home, alleviating the burden on urgent care centers and hospitals. Remember that not everyone can afford to respond by stocking up on necessities. Yeah, because you fucked over the economy. For those who can afford it, making, making essential purchases and slowly building up supplies in advance will allow for longer peri time periods between shopping trips. This helps to protect those who are unable to procure essentials in advance of the pandemic and must shop more frequently. In addition, consider avoiding WIC-labeled products so that those who rely on those products can access them. Survive during. If warned of an imminent attack, immediately get inside the nearest building and move away from the windows. When you have reached a safe place, try to maintain a distance of at least six feet between yourself and people who are not a part of your household. If if yeah, it's a nuclear holocaust. Get the fuck away from me. If possible, wear a mask. Yeah, you definitely want to wear a mask during a nuclear holocaust. I definitely approve. I, I do approve that. If you're sheltering with people who are not a part of your household. Children under two years old, people who have trouble breathing, and those who are unable to remove masks on their own should not wear them. Unless it's a pandemic and they're told to in school. Then they can do it. And then if they don't, kick them out. <laughs> where are we? <laughs> we're in hell. That's where we're at. If you are outdoors... When a detonation occurs, take cover from the blast behind anything that might offer protection. Lie face down to protect exposed skin from the heat and flying debris. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth if possible. If you are in a vehicle, stop safely and duck down within the vehicle. After the shockwave passes, get inside the nearest best shelter location for protection from potential fallout. You will have 10 minutes or more to find an adequate shelter. Be inside before the fallout arrives. The highest outdoor radiation levels from fallout occur immediately after the fallout arrives and then decrease with time. Stay tuned for updated instructions from emergency response officials. If advised to evacuate, listen for information about routes, shelters, and procedures. If you have evacuated, do not return until you are told it is safe to do so by local officials. Remember, trust the officials. Trust everyone that's telling you what to do. Be safe after, immediately after you are inside shelter, if you may have been outside after the fallout arrived. Remove your outer layer of contaminated clothing to remove fallout and radiation from your body. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth if possible. Take a shower or wash with soap and water to remove fallout from any skin or hair that was not covered. If you cannot wash or shower, use a wipe or clean wet cloth or to wipe any skin or hair that was not covered. Hand sanitizer does not protect against fallout, guys. Sorry, that's not how it's going to work. Avoid touching your... It does protect against COVID-19 somehow, but not from that. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth if possible. Do not use disinfected wipes on your skin. 
please clean any pets that were outside after the fallout arrived. You don't want to lose your pet in this whole mess. It is safe to eat or drink packaged food items or items that were inside a building. Do not consume foods or liquids that were outdoors, uncovered, and may be contaminated by fallout. You don't want to have that yucky fallout taste in your meal. If you are sick or injured, listen for instructions on how to how and where to get medical attention when th authorities tell you it is safe to exit. And no one will be clamoring for all of that health care. No. If you are sick and need medical attention, contact your health care provider for instructions. If you are at a public shelter, immediately notify the staff at that facility so they can call a local hospital or clinic. If you are experiencing a medical emergency, call 911 and let the operator know if you have or think you have, think you might have COVID-19. If you can, put on a mask before help arrives. Does it seem to you, because it seems a little bit to me, that they kind of mushed a bunch of COVID-19 shit together with the fucking nuclear fallout shit and just didn't even delete some of the shit and just edit it? I... They edited this shit from a COVID-19 preparedness thing to fucking nuclear fallout. That's This is literally the shifting of a narrative in real time from COVID-19, allegedly, to this when at the same time we're still doing the national state of emergency, so we can't say that 100%, but it's shifting the focus from COVID-19 to nuclear fallout. In real time. Like, am I crazy? I'm not crazy, right? <sighs> Engage virtually with your community through video and phone calls. This is part of this COVID-19 shit. Know that it's normal to feel anxious or stressed. Take care of your body and talk to someone if you are feeling upset. Many people may already feel fear and anxiety about the coronavirus 19, 2019. The threat of a nuclear explosion can add additional stress. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Hazards related to no, this isn't shifting. This is this is combining. So they're combining. They're like, be afraid of this and this at the same time. I want to clarify what I said because I don't even believe what I said now. Because I'm I'm looking at this. I'm like, no, they're still trying to shoehorn the fucking COVID narrative in the nuclear fallout narrative. It's wow. Hazards related to nuclear explosions. Bright flash can cause temporary blindness for less than a minute. Blast wave can cause death, injury, and damage to structures several miles out from the blast. Radiation can damage cells of the body. Large exposures can cause radiation sickness. Fire and heat can cause death, burn injuries, and damage to structures several miles out. Electromagnetic pulse, an EMP, can damage electrical power equipment and electronics several miles out from the detonation and cause temporary disruptions further out. Fallout is radioactive, visible dirt, and debris raining down from several miles up that can cause sickness to those who are outside. And that's how you survive the whole the nuclear holocaust that is coming our way because Russia. So at the same time this is happening, again, we got to keep going from one narrative to the next because that's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, there was a report that CDC is not publishing large amounts of COVID-19 data. I wonder why. Uh, so this is from the February 22nd, 2022 from WebMD.com where you go to see what kind of disease you got. And it says the U.S. Centers for Disease Control has only published a fraction of the data it collected about the COVID-19 pandemic, the New York Times reported, citing several people familiar with the data. The CDC published information about the effectiveness of boosters for people under 65 two weeks ago, but didn't provide data about people 18 to 49 years old, the age group least likely to benefit from boosters because they're already well protected by the first two shots, said the New York Times. They said they're not, but whatever. The CDC recently created a dashboard of how much COVID bacteria has been discovered in wastewater, though, though state and local agencies had been sending the CDC to their own wastewater data since the start of the pandemic, the time set. The appearance of COVID in wastewater can help health afford authorities predict outbreaks, scientists have said. Some outside health experts were stunned to find out the CDC held back COVID information. <gasps> Shocking! 
We have been begging for that sort of granularity of data for two years, Jessica Malady Rivera, an epidemiologist and part of the team that ran COVID tracking project, told the Times. A more detailed picture would have improved public trust, she said. The Times said the withheld data could have helped local and state health authorities respond during different stages of the pandemic and better protect vulnerable populations. And we can't have that. The lack of booster information about 18 to 49-year-old forced federal health agencies to rely on data collected in Israel on recommendations for booster shots, the, the Times said, which was the whole point, I'm sure. When asked to comment... CDC spokesperson Kristen Nordland said the agency held back some information because basically at the end of the day, it's not yet ready for prime time. You know, just don't worry about it. This is not ready. Just like all of the data from uh, the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, you know, that that's not ready either. We got to have like more like 75 years until that's ready, according to Pfizer. And then the courts were like, meh. We're going to have more than that. I mean, we're going to have more data than that and sooner. So fuck off. So that can only work for so long saying that shit. And then um, later on it says, um, we are at a greater, much greater risk of misinterpreting the data with data vacuums than sharing the data with proper science, communication, and caveats. She said, the release of data is also delayed by bureaucratic procedures. The CDC must run information by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at the, and the White House, as well as different divisions within the CDC before release. Sometimes state agencies need to be briefed before information is made widely available. Paul Offit, MD, a vaccine expert and advisor to the Food and Drug Administration, is totally not like tied to the drug companies at all. He says, tell the truth, present the data. He says, I have to believe that there is a way to explain these things so people can understand it. The CDC has been criticized other times for lack of transparency. Last year, the CDC released information on breakthrough cases, but only when a person was sick enough to be hospitalized. Vaccinated people who tested positive and isolated at home were not included in the count, leading to questions about the effectiveness of the vaccines. And we can't have all that. No, no, no. And then we move on because we got to get to all of this shit. And this is the last thing I'm going to talk about, I think, if I am correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. We're going to talk a little bit about some fun shit after this. But this is Moderna. So Moderna's CEO went offline off Twitter. And that's Stefan Benzel. And then he did a little, a little, um, a little uh, interview with Maria, whatever the fuck her last name is, on Fox Business. And I thought I had it in here, but I do not, so I have to get it. Moderna CEO. He talked about Russia a little bit. I don't care, so I didn't see that part on Russia. And he also was confronted about a story that she wanted to mention about data. Joining me right now to talk more regarding um, genetic sequences. So this was a very telling interview, in my opinion. And um, I just want you to listen to this. Blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> We're expecting this year clinical without for cancer drug. Here we wow. go. That, that is just tremendous. And obviously, we're all hoping uh, oh, that you yeah, have serious success with that, mm. Stefan. I've got to end on this story that has been circulating. Let's end on this one story that's kind of important. Of COVID. We've all been trying to understand how this started and whether or how not did this start? did come from a lab in Wuhan. It didn't. Uh, let me ask you what the Daily Mail is reporting. It says more evidence COVID was tinkered with in a lab. Now scientists find the virus contains a tiny chunk of DNA that matches sequence patented by Moderna three years before the pandemic began. Oh. Your reaction, Stefan. What, what can there? you tell us? So, my scientists are looking into those oh, they're data looking to into see it. Don't how worry accurate about it. they are or not. As I've yeah. said before, the hypothesis of an escape from a lab by an accident is possible. Oops. You know, human makes mistakes. We so, make mistakes. Uh, it's possible that the uh, Wuhan lab in it's China fine. was working 
on uh, RSC's uh, enhancement or gene modification. And then there was an accident where somebody was infected in the lab and then infected their families and friends. It is possible. Accidents happen. Just, uh, mentioned, uh, the scientists are analyzing Pandemics to happen. know if it's uh, real or not. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I was struck by the line. It matched a genetic sequence patented Oops. by Moderna for cancer research purposes. Stefan. Well. Yeah, and that's the type of things that the team is looking at very carefully. They're looking at it. Don't worry about it. So it takes a bit of time to analyze all the genetics. Just shut up, Maria. Just shut up. Well, Stefan, again, uh, really important work that you and your scientists (laughs) are doing. We thank you so much for walking us through it. That's how you respond. Like, oh, thanks for your time. You know, we really do appreciate you taking time out of your day of being an evil villain to, to tell us these things. We really appreciate that. Thanks, Maria. You're, you're a doll, Maria. You, you, you do the Lord's work, honestly. Um, other than that, like, okay, comedy. <laughs> I'm just switching to comedy. So I'm hoping to be more funny. Not today, apparently, but in the future on this program. And have more comedic times. Because you got to laugh to keep from dying in this apocalyptic world. But keep your head up, everyone. And keep your wits about you. And people will say shit to you. It's a very volatile environment now with the war. The war that people care about. The war. The, like, fourth war that we've had. Whatever. Like, we already have a shitload of wars going on currently. And, and just just a few days ago, the U.S. bombed Somalia and nobody gave a shit. So, in the media. Nobody gave a shit in the mainstream media. And now they give a shit because it's a bunch of white Europeans that are at stake. Uh, their, li- their lives are at stake. And some of them Nazis. So think of the Nazis. Everybody, just think of the Nazis right now and what they're going through in Ukraine um, and all over the world. They're just having such a time. So just think of the Nazis. Think of, you know, the beautiful media that props them up and stands with them and all of the wonderful virtue signalers out there as well who are standing up with them and, you know, comedians who should know better. Because they know people who are on the inside with all of the information. And yet, they continue to spread misinformation. I won't t- tell you who that comedian is. You'll have to figure it out. But I can't wait to listen to their latest uh, podcast episode. I'll tell you that. Um, anyway, it's been really fun. This has been a great couple of years. I think I've become a great person during it. In spite of it. <laughs> I'm not great, but like a better person than I was before and more knowledgeable. And also losing a job helps in that regard because you have a lot more time on your hands to discuss this shit and get into the weeds. But um, shout out to the person on my roof. You're doing a great job. Um, Shout out to Klaus Schwab. You did a great job. People really fell for your shit and that's great. I love that for you. Shout out to Bill Gates, who's got a new book about the pandemic, um, the new pandemic, because there's another one coming, um, in case you missed it. And then I talked about the Munich Security Conference that he went to um, on the Political Matrix, so check that out as well. So yeah, that's about where I wanted to leave things. Um, Questions, comments, leave them below. Uh, Have a great... Usually I do this on the weekend, it's weird to do it on a Monday fucking weird but it's the end of the month so celebrate black history month which is the shortest month on the calendar but not on purpose not at all and then celebrate i guess our women's month is coming up is it women are we are we doing women next month i don't know whoever's month it is i guess celebrate them whatever who gives a shit but like love each other be cool to each other Respect one another. Deny thy brother. What? And then, uh, that is a song, right? (laughs) I don't know. But, uh, yeah, like, 
it's it's crazy out there. Try to keep your wits, as I said, and don't wear a mask anymore. It's not nobody cares. Stop. Hey, they're not wearing a mask for the State of the Union. Why should you? They didn't wear a mask at the Super Bowl. L.A. people stop wearing masks. It's it's ridiculous. It doesn't help. There's proven like reports that masks didn't work the whole time. And even Lana Wynn is saying that. And she's one of the WEF um, people as well, agenda contributors. So yeah, and um, I love I love peace. Be peaceful. Don't let the man get you down. And um, don't buy into this pro-war narrative that's going on in any way, shape, or form because it's all manipulation. And once you realize that, it gets a little easier to get away from that propaganda or to study it and really figure out how shitty it is. It's really shitty. Um, but yeah, do do be nice to everybody that you meet if you can, is my advice. What do I know? Who who am I? I'm no one. But like, just love each other, respect one another, and don't get into petty arguments that you can't find your way out of. And if they continue, like I did, just don't respond because I'm not going to waste my time going back and forth about something that's not even, I, I don't have a stake in and I don't have anything to win from this argument. If you can't, if you're not winning in an argument, what's the point in having the argument, you know? If you're not winning something personally, like team sports is basically that. It's like your team is not you. Why do you care if they win or not? Like that's all manipulation there. I also recommend uh, a documentary towards the end of this is uh, The Century of Self. The Century of the Self. It's on YouTube. I'll link it. Uh, I'm just getting into the engineering of consent. Got finished with that. On to the next one. But it starts with Happiness Machines. But it's a documentary series from Adam Curtis, who's a pretty good documentarian. So recommend that. Recommend getting as much information as possible into your brain to, you know, combat misinformation. That's the only way to do it, is you got to get the information yourself. Sorry about that. I don't know what that was. But um, it's been really fun. It's a shorter episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And check out those links. I work hard on getting them for you and getting them in order. And have a great rest of the day. It's almost two here. And um, I'm just going to chill now that I've done this. <laughs> I finally did it. And I got a phone. That's I wanted to get a phone. I wanted to have a guest on this episode, but I didn't get to. But hopefully next time I'll have a guest on the show in some way, shape, or form. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Thank you so much for your time, and I really do appreciate all of the support that I've gotten from people on the webs, on the in the new community that I that I'm a part of, amazingly. And I love everyone in that community. And um, keep doing what you do. Everybody's trying their best to get that information out there and and to build that network that we so desperately need of truth seekers and truth finders. And um, that's what we need more of, the truth. Because in a world of lies, that's all that will save us. Thank you so much for your time again. Thanks for listening. Listen again in the future. Check out the links again. Love you, bye.